The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's uh, <clears throat> Friday, Friday, Friday. You want to get through the weekend? Come on here. It's all all happening. We're on our way. Not that we'll take a day off, but uh, still, it's happy time. Friday. I couldn't believe it's Friday. I thought it was Thursday when I woke up this morning. And when I found out it was Friday, I was like, wow, the day got really bad. It was awesome. Got a great workout in. Uh, doing my Friday fast, which is uh, not only a discipline, which I couldn't do hardly once a year when I was a kid. Even then, I couldn't last a day. To do the fast now, it's like, pfft, I, I, give me a challenge. Well, this is the this is the kind of thing that I like to share with you that it is possible if you couldn't do something for much of your life or most of your life, no matter what age you are, there is a way that you can do it. And it takes one step at a time, a little bit, a little bit here. But the the main message, of course, when I say the power to heal is yours, it is a power that is given to you, not by me, but by God, by, by that which created us all. And in the in that power are the rules or the rule book to how how the the world is governed. And I don't mean by the bad guys, the evildoers, and the uh, lizard people. I'm talking about your direct connection to the source of all healing, all creation as as well. And they'd they'd love you to believe. And this is the thing about all the stuff that goes on wrong and bad on this planet. They'd like you to believe there's no hope. There's no option. It's just too much. It's too big. It's too bad. You're just one guy. You're just one gal. But I'm telling you, one soul in conjunction with the creator, with God, is a majority compared to all of the so-called bad guys. Even though I would argue that there are more of us, good guys, good gals, than them, they have the illusion machine, the illusion-making machinery that has been successful over our lifetime, over generations now, to convince us that we don't have the power. We're powerless, right? Or that the only power you have is to vote, and they get to choose who you get to vote for. You know, follow along like Bobby Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., man of great integrity, who's been through a lot, seen a lot. His family has been through a lot. And he's, I believe he's sincere in trying to do something that's right and good, uplifting for the country, bringing people together, healing a, the rift divide. It's a big task. Uh, Jonathan E. Moore, running for the United States Senate, my good friend. And, you know, listen, everybody's got their their experiences in life, why they're doing what they're doing. Get to know them, find out what motivates them follow along their track record as well. So you can see consistency versus a fly by night just showed up and I'm the guy, you know, there's some interesting people there as well. But we were at the uh, Des Moines, Iowa event uh, that was the red pill expo and learned on the, I think Saturday of, of the event, or was it Sunday? I don't even remember now. I think it was Saturday. Yeah. Saturday night that uh, Bobby Kennedy was in town along Trump was in town DeSantis, everybody was going to the, uh, the, the fair, the uh, Iowa state fair, which is like the biggest one in the world, I think. And we found out, Hey, he's going to be at a coffee shop. Not too far from you guys. It's like, uh, let's go. I was with Joni Abbott, uh, Brian artists and his wife, few others. And we we're like, okay, let's go. Now when we got there, it was fire coated overflow. And he had like teenagers that were running his his security. I, I'm sure that they were adequate to the task. Nothing happened. But it's sort of like the Biden administration goes, we don't want Secret Service protection for Bobby Kennedy from a family that that has two two major members that got assassinated. You, you can't provide some level of protection for this guy. So anyway, nice guys that run security, but we couldn't get in. 
We were a little late. It was okay. We just wanted to check it out, see what's going on, what's the buzz, what's happening. And so, Super Don, if you could show that first picture of me and Brian Artis outside the window. There it is. It was at a coffee place somewhere out in Des Moines uh, over the weekend. And we couldn't get in, so we're like, oh, let's take a picture outside of the coffee shop. And we're just having fun. And we were trying to distract Bobby Kennedy. We couldn't get his attention. He was very focused on talking to the crowd there. Uh, but if you see, let's see, there's another picture I got uh, that you can see through the window. That's what we could see when you get right close to the window. There he is, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talking to a full house overflow at this coffee shop in Des Moines, Iowa. And then I snuck around to the front door and I couldn't go in. But from the door, I, I took a quick picture so you could see. And, you know, somebody's raising his hand. They're asking questions. It's Q&A. It's really, really good. And, you know, Bobby's a salt of the earth kind of guy who happens to be pretty swole. Uh, I think we talked about his... Uh, athletic prowess as well a uh, big guy if you will pretty pretty interesting dude and uh we couldn't get in though so i got a text from someone who was at red pill expo who's putting on a health freedom event just outside of portland oregon in in october and he sent me a picture and just laughed and said hey check this out you might remember this from the other day and <laughs> here was a guy that was inside the coffee house and it, See, we could be seen. People could see us, apparently. And Brian Artis and I were just having a good old time, just checking it out, trying to distract Bobby Kennedy. Anyway, so uh, thanks for that picture. Let me see who sent that. I got to give a shout out to him uh, from that event. If I could find it here. Just the fun stuff that happens. No, that's not it. I might not be able to find it fast enough for you. Oh, here it is. Yeah, this is from, who took that? Mike Terry of Patriots United. Oh, that's the event. Patriots United would want, he wants me to go to that. They're a great Northwest awakening, but that this was Bob Runnels who, who did that picture super Don. So we're trying to coordinate that event, October 21st in Washington state, just across the border from Portland, Oregon. Anyway, so who knows who's going to show up and have fun little asides when you're experiencing something from the outside, somebody from the inside. And I think about George Carlin's quote all of the time. It's a big club. And you ain't in it. <laughs> Me and Brian Artis, we're not in it. Anyway, no worries there. But I do like Bobby Kennedy and appreciate what he's doing. So with that, let me dive into the first story officially of the show today before we bring on our guest, Dr. Jonathan Edwards. Uh, Medical Express is reporting that there is alarm as the FDA's fast-tracked a first antipsychotic drug for agitation in dementia. Agitation. Now, if you've ever met somebody with dementia, Alzheimer's, et cetera, it can be a frustrating interaction. And it's frustrating for the people suffering, even as they can't remember things, they can't recognize it. It's frustrating. They're trying to communicate. They don't know you. Who are you? No, I don't believe you. You know, there's a lot of that that goes on. And so, hey, what can we do to drug these people so they're not so agitated? Now, I've talked about homeopathy. And, of course, the remedy for frustration could be considered agitation as well, is Argentum nitricum. Homeopathic silver nitrate. Argentum nitricum is the classic remedy for frustration, which are, arguably could be related to agitation. But if you think about agitation, it's frustration, it's all these things combined. Couldn't we go with something a little less dangerous than a drug that is found to do really nothing of benefit and yet increase the potential for death in old people by a factor of four? Who's the FDA looking out for? In these trials, this antipsychotic drug known as Rexulti failed to provide a clinically meaningful benefit, and yet it did increase measurably the risk of death. Yet the FDA fast-tracked its approval. 
For who? Elderly patients with dementia. Dementia? Like, who needs old people with dementia, right? Usher them on out of the life chain faster if you can at quadruple the rate. And it only cost them 1400 bucks a month or Medicare and Medicaid coming out of your pockets if you're still in that system, thinking that you're going to get money when you retire from the antisocial insecurity system. They expect the, the company's makers, uh, the makers of the Rexulti, Otsuka and Lundbeck, forecasting an additional $1 billion in annual sales from this. Thank you, FDA, supporting and protecting the old people of America. And this, of course, will allow Medicare, Medicaid, and doctors to prescribe this that was might be an off-label prescription now officially for that. Just so you know, real quick, on the efficacy scale, the drug allowed or showed a maximum 5.3 improvement over placebo on a 174-point scale. What's the bare minimum, they say, to be even considered clinically significant at all? 17 points. It didn't even make that. One-third of the lowest level for consideration of a drug to have any clinical benefit whatsoever. Now, public citizens health researcher Nina Zeldes told the FDA's advisory committee prior to approval, these small benefits do not outweigh the serious safety concerns. This drug can kill people, patients, without measurable benefit. And if I'm looking here, uh, 9 out of 10 voted for this thing. Rubber stamp anybody? You have the uh, protection racket. You have the revolving door you have basically the FDA regulatory body, including the um, the committees that review drugs, in the pocket. It's called regulatory capture. Four times the increase of death putting patients on this, but they went ahead and voted it. Yeah, go ahead. Let's put it out there and let's get old people on Rick Zolte. What could be done? Maybe ketamine could help them. I don't know. It's, it's, it's helping people with depression and suicide. At least that's according to our first-time guest, Dr. Jonathan Edwards, MD, and an anesthesiologist. I don't know if he's retired to write books now, but his new book, Rev The Revolutionary Ketamine, How a Little-Known Drug Can Cure Depression and Prevent Suicide, is on board right now, and it's uh, published by our friends at uh, where? I think it's, uh, yeah, who's publishing this, Jonathan? Skyhorse Publishing. Skyhorse. We yep. love Tony Lyons and the crew. Tony Lyons, yep. The best books, including yours, Dr. Jonathan Edwards. Welcome to the Robert Skelton Show. Yeah, I lucked out on that one. <laughs> Nicely <laughs> done. So you. uh, your background as an anesthesiologist, I mean, yes. it's, a, it's a very delicate job. You know, one little too much, one little too little. Disasters can ensue. It's like you have to be so meticulous in paying attention to everything that you do that I'm thinking you must've really went deep on this book. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, to be an anesthesiologist, you know, it's about 15 years after high school. So of a, a pure, you know, of hardcore studies. So, uh, answer your question. Yeah. I, I have cut down a lot on my, on my clinical duties and work. And, um, yeah, this is actually my fifth book. Um, yeah, I'm on. And, um, so it's it's the first one I've gotten published, you know, through a traditional publishing company. So I'm pretty pretty happy about that, and yeah, just going through the motions and enjoying it. So far, enjoying it. Yeah. So. Excellent. Now, on the subject of FDA drug approval, as we've seen, it's a captured agency. 
Mm. And, and I'm a homeopath, so I'm not a guy that's big into drugs, even though I was grown homeopathically. No, I wasn't actually allopathically, pharmaceutically, medical people in my family, pharmaceutical yeah. doctors, et cetera. So uh, what I elected to do was get well because no, nothing that, the, that they threw at me was getting me well. Now, this doesn't mean I'm against doctors. I don't like doctors. It's not about that. Right. Even drugs, I argue that, yes, there's a place for them, but largely in acute interventions. But this is an interesting uh, subject. Because we're dealing with chronically debilitated people on the verge of perhaps suicide with depression. It's not typically, it's one thing to be depressed because you lost a loved one and then bounce back or postpartum, you're depressed because of hormonal shifts and other things that mm. occur. But now we're talking about a chronic state of depression and we're utilizing a medicine that ketamine, if given to extreme, it could kill people. So again, I'm not saying advocating, go out and get it and eat, take it willy nilly. And you're not either. But I want you to put a perspective on this drug and what it's been used for in anesthesiology and how it's, uh, let's say, the thoughts on it are being modified by some clinical experience about depression and suicide. Yeah, sure. The It'll be good to go into history and then also why the whole, like, this idea of mental illness is, uh, it's really at its peak right now after the, the lockdowns and the pandemic and you know, the, the latest CDC report uh, has one of the highest suicide rates ever recorded at over 49,000 individuals, Americans, um, you know, who committed suicide in uh, 2022. And the report even came later than usual. And if you look at it, it's mostly people, uh, white males who are of the working class. And the most came out of Texas and California. So anyway, just to just to put a little highlight on the importance of this, you know, of this topic and, and having just knowing what to do. Uh, you know, history of ketamine is, yeah, I go over that uh, in, in chapter two of my book. Uh, it's a fascinating one. You know, this ketamine has a long history with the Vietnam War. Uh, it stemmed from a, a, an anesthetic drug called fincyclidine, which was given and it caused too many, we'll say, bad effects after the anesthesia. So the company, I believe it was a subsidiary of Merck at the time, Park Davis, um, asked the researchers, please fabricate a better version of fincyclidine. So they did, and they called it ketamine. Mm -hmm. um, and basically they found that this anesthetic wasn't like the others. It didn't really suppress your respirations. It actually helped your blood pressure and decreased your pain, but put you in a dissociative state. So you're kind of, in a sense, think of it like if you're looking over your body, you know, you're kind of disconnected from your, you know, your, your actual reality and you're looking at yourself from above. Mm -hmm. That's the best way I could explain it. Um, and it all coincided with the Vietnam War. So it became a buddy drug. And that's, and so just on the topic of FDA fast track, that was the impetus to fast track ketamine to its approval. And then it gained use in the Vietnam War as a buddy drug because a soldier could safely administer this to somebody, to a, a fellow soldier who was more, you know, wounded very badly and get them to help without uh, taking a chance of decreasing their respiratory rate sure. um, or other things. So well, anyway, when we talk and, about the opiates yeah. or opioid drugs. The yeah. risk, of course, is you give too much and breathing just stops the signal for breathing. Right. right. And you can you can give ketamine uh, way over that dose um, and you will not, you, you know, 
it'd be very hard to stop somebody's breathing compared to say fentanyl or opioids, which is, you know, we'll, we'll get into that with the illicit use that's sure. coming into play. Well, yep. and it's interesting, you know, Vietnam, we think Southeast Asia and, um, a lot of interest, intrigue and interest and in, and in, in benefit has come from another K word, Kratom, mm-hmm. as a botanical ingredient out of Southeast Asia that's helping people manage pain and other things and not dissociate fully, but also not have a cessation of breathing issue if you take too much. You know, But again, it's not a drug officially synthesized and approved by FDA. That's why it kind of doesn't have the, the good press at all. It's always <laughs> negative yeah. about that, right? But the yep. ketamine, again, a fascinating journey here in terms of going back to the Vietnam era and how it was utilized to save people who are in disastrous amounts of pain who might not have survived just that alone oh, yeah. uh, to allow them to get out of the field of battle, get some help, and uh, hopefully recover. So that, you know, obviously that's at a dose level at a certain, you know, I guess what you call a standard dose that now they've assessed after decades of use. Yeah. Uh, but when we're talking about its modification over time, and you can carry it forward at whatever rate you want, we've got time here as far as when it began, began to be evolved as a, let's try it for this, let's try it for this and start experimenting and figuring other ways to use ketamine. People started experimenting. That's an interesting question. I'm glad you brought that up because people started experimenting with ketamine right away, as as do most scientists who have, you know, who are truly interested, right? So right away, people were using the drug. Uh, and you can read as far back as in the early 1970s, there was a guy named Dr. Domino who did a lot of research on it. And he wrote a he wrote a, an article called Taming, uh, Taming the Tiger. And it, and it was about ketamine, or it's about fencyclidine and ketamine addiction at the time. And specifically, there's a paragraph in there, and he's doing this clinic for well, a ketamine abuse clinic way back in the early 70s. And, and, the, um, and the woman in the story, he, he asked her point blank, why do you take ketamine? Why don't you take your antidepressant drugs? And he goes, oh, doctor, that's simple. The ketamine works so much better, so I stopped my other depression drugs. <laughs> so we knew back in the 70s that this was already helping depression. But that's the exact same time as Timothy Leary and the LSD thing came out. And he was saying, you know, you know, tune in, tune out, get out. Yeah. Um, drop and, out. Yeah. And the government drop out. And the government, you know, put the kibosh on LSD. Uh, all kinds of psychedelic research. So the the idea of doing psychedelic research for mental illness or, or any of these other things got kind of got squashed, you know, because of government intervention, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't so basically we were missing 50 years of opportunities to find what ketamine could have done and is doing. And finally, in the late 90s, uh, researchers from Yale actually it first came out in the UK for um, remember the anorexia craze and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So some some researchers in the UK did a case study and they showed hey it it helps people not have anorexia um, crises anymore. You know it stopped a lot of them the eating disorders and the bulimia. And then the Yale researchers, Der Bergman and Crystal John Crystal and those guys uh, started saying hey let's see what this does for depression. They showed it helped for depression. Let's see what it does for suicide. Help for suicide. Let's see what it does for PTSD. Help for PTSD. And it just, you know, the research mm-hmm. has just gone on since then. And here we are. So I, I talk about the term micro dosing. For instance, mm. mushrooms 
edible yeah. medicinal mushrooms that some are considered psych psychedelic, if you will, uh, going back to the non-synthetic version, you know, the LSD and things like that. But there's been a lot of talk, whether you go on a, a you know, a journey to Central and South America with a guided shaman kind of uh, otherworldly yeah. experience that seems to help people, some people just immediately overcome their addiction, lifelong addiction to you know, horrible drugs, heroin, or even uh, FDA-approved yeah. opioids. But dose is interesting because there's a whole other movement, and Paul Stamets is, you know, one of the guys, the guy for mushrooms, sure. uh, even the introduction of the concept of micro-dosing. In other words, not taking it to the effect that you have these psychedelic trips or journeys, but subtle effects that seem to be altering and rewiring the experience of people who suffer with, you know, various anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, anger issues, other things. It seems to transform at that level. And we were talking, I was asking you before we went to air about, is this a microdosing protocol in terms of ketamine? You said, no, 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 it's not. And I wanted to, you know, gather the, uh, or assess like what would be the dosing level as an anesthesiologist, whether it be at a Vietnam war scenario or in a medical farm hospital setting dose versus what we're talking about here to address depression and perhaps even suicide. If it's not micro dosing, is it kind of semi-regular? Mm. I, I don't know how to d determine this. Yeah, yeah. Although it, that's an interesting question. Actually, I have some, uh, I'll have a very interesting antidotal um, story for you afterwards. Mm -hmm. But so just imagine the, the dose is about what we call a half. It's about 0 0.5 milligrams per kilogram in an IV setting. So, mm. you know, that much ketamine. So say, you know, you're 100 kilograms, you're going to get 50, 50 milligrams in a bag given over a certain rate, usually over 30 to 60 minutes. That is the starting. That's where you start. Some people take more, some people take less. That's, say, the starting point for treating mental illness, things like, you know, uh, and also the frequency, you know, say you have somebody who's truly suicidal, uh, you might do three treatments in a week. Um, if they're deep depression, you might do two treatments, uh, a treatment biweekly or twice weekly for three weeks or six weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is all with therapy, by the way, you know, it, uh, it doesn't work willy nilly just all on its own. And I, I, I try to dispel that myth every time I can, because I get all kinds of patients coming to me, oh, just can I take the ketamine and no, you, you're really open to the therapy and there's really good reasons why um, physiologically and, and, and brain chemistry wise. So, um, but on the topic of microdosing, mm -hmm. when you brought the word up, actually there are, I do have anecdotal experiences with athletes who, mm -hmm. uh, some endurance runners actually, who microdose it, truly microdose it. Um, I don't know. You know, we can get into that. I, I, I have a whole chapter uh, chapter um, on athletes and ketamine. That's a, and it's yeah, that's an interesting, very interesting chapter. Um, mm. The other place though you see it microdosed is in autism. Mm. Uh, Aaron Orsini, I I interviewed him for my book, and this this guy is um, you can find him on the web. He's pretty easy uh, to, to, but he. He told me that he was uh, at one time almost, you know, nonverbal in a sense with his autism and that ketamine and and, other, and, and he takes other psychedelics. But it, he basically described a microdosing regimen mm -hmm. and says that helps him uh, tremendously with like, you know, just being able to talk words, getting them out. And yeah. there's and for what he's 
what he explained to me, the autistic community is kind of embracing this. Mm -hmm. um, Anecdotally, they're seeing benefits across more than just one child, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, well, and, and, and no. we're, we're not even doing that research hardly. And it's, there's some, but we, you know, it's going to take a, it's going to take somebody like Robert F. Kennedy or somebody like that, who is open to, to, to furthering psychedelic research. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think opening those gates before we can, you know, and, and it could be, I think it could help millions of people, but that's the kind of movement we're going to need to see if microdosing and those kind of things really help. Yeah. Now, the, this has been, again, decades of utilization going back uh, mm -hmm. with this ketamine. So obviously it's a generic. So it's a, a very inexpensive, yeah, drug, relatively no. speaking. So <laughs> it's not going to get a lot of support in mainstream media because, of course, they rely on adver advertisements from the drug industry. And in order to profit, they need to sell the latest, greatest blockbuster, expensive drug that could be far more dangerous and less oh. beneficial, as we talked about Rexulti as I opened the show, with that crazy approval. But Again, par right. for the course, business as usual at FDA. Uh, you also mentioned managing it as an anesthesiology in uh, intravenous infraction. The people that are utilizing microdosing or otherwise, it, it, I mean, are they getting a like a prescription it's for oral? Right? Yeah, like sublingual. So know, they're fractionating like the actual pill that they're getting, I guess, the pharmaceutical version nah, of ketamine. Yeah, yeah, the, the their compounding pharmacies are making these uh, like the you know sublingual dissolvable tablets okay. gotcha. called trochies and they can yeah you can cut those into certain milligrams and you gotta remember mm -hmm. the oral uptake of ketamine is only about 25 percent whereas minimal, the right? you know the im or intravenous is 99 percent mm -hmm. so you can use a much lower dose gotcha uh and that has its other problems and things like that but but there are actually like the better you foundation they're a big ketamine um uh foundation that uh, supports and has a whole mm -hmm. plethora of physicians and other healthcare practitioners that will help you get authorized to have like home ketamine. And then you have these treatments and you have these uh, home video therapy sessions, but you just sit on mm -hmm. your, your couch and take these sublingual ketamine trochies and <laughs> And I mean, it's, and it's done at home and it, it was all done through the, you know, through that emergency use deal, you know, with the, uh, you know, with, with the um, mobile video consults, mm -hmm. you know, which has, you know, taken it's that's taken effect in uh, mental health and it, it won't be going away, I don't think. But yeah. anyway, that's where it's at now. Dr. Edwards, you, you you certainly already addressed a little bit of my concern about toxicological burdens or, or risk factor for adverse mm -hmm. events, that it does not tend to shut down the breathing centers of the body like traditional yeah. opiates or opioids. That's already a significant move in the right direction. Uh, but tell me what are risk factors associated with long-term use at, again, certain dose levels. I don't think microdosing is going to be that big an issue. That's why it's, it's almost like a homeopathic yeah. principle, but... Yeah, the, the, so with the IV and IM use, there's not really a danger. Dave Feifel, he's a he's the owner and opener of the Kadima Clinics in uh, in San Diego, and he's a uh, he's a, neuro, a neurologist and psychiatrist, I believe. Uh, but he's very up on this. He studied over six thousand patients uh, and found that you know the adverse effects, at least on the body and things like that, were pretty much nil. Um, and very few people came back and were addicted to it. Um, now that being said in Asia, it's a huge problem there because 
basically that's a different type of ketamine though. And, uh, and then the China's China's making it and then punching it to the Mexican drug cartels who are all, who are all too happy to bring it into the States mm-hmm. and sell it. And the D and uh, I have some contacts at the DEA and things like that. And they've told me that, yeah, it's uh, we're used to see like 50 kilos. Now we're seeing hundreds of kilos so, of it. So these things are be- mm-hmm. dosing people into addiction. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But they're snorting it. So it's all powder. Okay. Um, you know, this isn't pharmaceutical grade and this is where it becomes dangerous because you know, the, you know, the, the, the latest and greatest trick of the cartels is the let's put a little fentanyl kicker in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and this is why people are waking up dead. You know, this is why, this is why naloxone's over the counter now, mm-hmm. you know, if you go back, uh, I mean, they had what, uh, one in three in some months during the lockdowns in San Francisco, they had over 4,000 doses of naloxone administered. Wow. You know, just that, things like yeah. that. So, but that's because of the illicit fentanyl that's being put into like marijuana and illicit ketamine, um, right. every PCP, you know? So my, my point is, is using, used in the correct way in the mm-hmm. correct manner in the correct environment. Yeah. Ketamine is a really safe deal. Okay. Now you're not arguing, yeah. and I don't think you are, as a, as I'm not, that we suffer from ketamine deficiency diseases, no. right? Because no, no. it's not an essential trace element. But uh, and, and also, when we talk about depression and suicide, there are certainly psychological, emotional issues, mental mm. issues, uh, spiritual issues, and uh, I don't mean that we're wallpapering over that either. But it's an acknowledgement that our people in desperate straits, right on the edge of suicide. How do we save them? Could this be a bridge out of that and then move them into other therapies to address other things that are significantly adding to a burden that would have them consider, I want to leave this place before my time? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's be, let's be clear. I mean, the whole book is about giving people another options. And one of the things that really got me to write it was Gavin DeBecker. Gavin DeBecker, he's the author of The Gift of Fear. Uh, you know, he's been on Oprah multiple times. His book, you know, is a must read for... I'd say, you know, any, any young person growing up, especially, you know, if you have a young girl or woman and, you know, about using your intuition, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd say one of the most overlooked things is using your intuition when it comes to, um, depression or suicide. Uh, you know, I I think a lot of people really lack that. And so that, that guy goes into the, you know, you just gotta use your gut feelings. And so where I'm going with this is the first things you should do is, you know, yeah, get some therapy, get some, you know, take some traditional roots, you know, get, you know, get your families involved and things like that. You know, ketamine is something else down the road. It, you know, I don't believe in miracles and neither should you or anybody, but ketamine is something that if you mm. saw your kid and you tried many things and took them to the best therapist and yet you saw the signs and you learned the signs, um, and I'll say, I'll tell you why this is so important, but if you could learn the signs and then use something like ketamine to help bridge the cycle to good therapy, you know, what parent wouldn't do that. And, but the thing is, is I mean, this is one of the reasons Gavin and I wanted, you know, he got me to really go for this book was mm-hmm. we need to get that word out there and it's not out there. Um, you, you'd be surprised at even how many doctors don't understand that ketamine is an option like we're just we you know one day thomas insel he's a uh he used to be the head of the um 
the NIH for mental health. And, and we had an, I interviewed them in the book. And uh, one thing he said is in the future, hopefully by 2025, you know, you're going to go to the ER with suicidal tendencies or ideations, get ketamine and be sent home and not Baker acted into the hospital. Mm-hmm. How good, you know? Yeah, that's significant. That's like huge. I, said, I, I yeah. like the way you're approaching this doctor. It, it is uh, an option. And, you know, allopathic medicine is supposed to be almost like, you know, the last resort rather than the first resort. But this is somewhere between that in terms of mm. people that are allopathically inclined that are being driven to the latest designer, most expensive drugs that are far more dangerous and more mm. addictive and all of these things uh, to allow for the option that is generic, inexpensive, uh, and has a much better safety profile and get people off the ledge, so to speak, and then maybe bring them into a realm where they're better able to start dealing with these other things that are, you know, kind of the uh, primary secondary issues that led to, oh my gosh, I'm on the edge. I don't want to live. in. Well, you'll love this. I, I think this will, this will resonate with you really well. Do you? <laughs> so the drug companies are obviously trying to manufacture something else that uh, uh, related to ketamine. And they've tried many times, like, you know, they make the uh, S antihumor and the R antihumor, you know, those are the two sides of the molecule. And, mm-hmm. and they found the S antihumor and they called it Spravato, right? You take it intranasally and, you know, they've made their money off that, but it doesn't, so far nothing, and they've made other drugs too, that they tried to, you know, fast track all the same, mm-hmm. but nothing, I can, in my experience anyways, has worked as well as getting somebody in the moment, putting them on the chair, making them comfortable, and then giving them that third person ego dissolution, out of body experience, because it is a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. It's bio, Mm -hmm. psycho, social. We're treating the organic, the biology, the psychology, and the spirit and we're doing it all. And that's what, that's, what's so cool about a psychedelic treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if it's psilocybin, MDMA, ketamine, whatever, all those, they touch on all three of those premises. And that's what gets you. I, I think that's the real home run of ketamine or, or any other psychedelic for that matter. And they are all psychedelics. It's mm-hmm. some people argue they're not, it's a, it's a semantic argument, but you know, so, so that's why I, I kind of like to say it touches all three and it's we're not just doing allopathic medicine here. Right. We're actually getting into your mind and letting you be safe and face those traumas you don't want to face when you're in reality. And it's, it's bridging a gap, I think, here, doctor. Mm. I like it in, in terms of the way you're addressing it and assessing it and, and uh, introducing it. And I, I would encourage folks, if you haven't picked this up yet, if, if it's new to you to read about The Revolutionary Ketamine, this is the book by Dr. Jonathan Edwards and a forward by Gavin DeBecker, uh, How a Little-Known Drug Can Cure Depression and Prevent Suicide. Again, another option. Uh, I don't know, Super Don, if we're getting any hate mails like, how dare you have a doctor on talking about drugs? My gosh, <laughs> have you just abandoned all of your principles? No, this has never been about uh, eliminating options. It's about opening people up to the possibilities and even how uh, allopathic medicine has its place. I would argue in far fewer places <laughs> than it is today in terms of the pharmaceutical construct. Uh, but there are, again, track record here is pretty significant how this particular drug at safe dosage levels 
is really genuinely helping people kind of move on back to what I think is much more important ultimately to solve the problems in bringing not just the body issue, but the mind, the spirit, which is more of the comprehensive holistic uh, ideology that has been lost. hundred percent. Allopathic medicine since, yeah. you know, the Flexner report of 1910. You nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any events coming up that you're doing a uh, public speaking events in addition to appearing on media to talk about the book? Uh, I do. I'm going to be on another podcast called um, the STEM Talks. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's up there, the IHMC Institute. Be doing that. Uh, if you have a firefighter, um, you know, one of the biggest causes of uh, death in firefighters is not fighting fires. It's actually suicide. So I have an event, firefighter event coming up in uh, November. And mm -hmm. lastly, yeah, I've, I've put everything in place so I could hopefully get a TEDx talk going. Um, and that's, I'm working hard on that and that's my next goal. And, oh, very yeah, cool. That's where I'm at. I just thinking about, you know, that history of my upbringing in medicine, my medical family and my uncle who I talk about a lot, he was a physician, a medical doctor, and he was in Vietnam as well. And he told me mm. stories of, of things that, you know, you just couldn't conceive of unless you've lived through combat and seen the war zones and things that he was doing as a medic at that time. And he will, he, this is the you know, for anybody that's in medicine, you know, I, maybe you'll uh, align with this, but he told me when I was a teenager, because he knew I wanted to grow up to become a doctor. It's all I ever cared about was healing because I suffered so much with chronic illnesses from zero to age 24. And he said, don't become a doctor. You're not going to like it. You'll be miserable. And I said, I, Uncle Bob, you're a doctor. I don't understand what you're talking about. Now, he was probably sharing some of his experience and I didn't realize it. I wasn't emotionally mature or intellectually mature enough until uh, I went to university, Emory, and on that track, and then I, I look back at my whole life when the doctors admitted they didn't know why I was sick. They didn't know, you know, anything about what, other than here's some more drugs. Keep taking drugs for your symptoms. And I realized that if I did that to other people, I would be miserable. And, and, yeah. and, and so that changed my life in terms of my, my worldview and, and my journey. But then again, I never heard of anything but modern medicine in America despite the fact that the history of medicine is in America is rife with natural medicine, herbal medicine, homeopathic medicine, naturopathic medicine. So it's not just a one size fits all and only one thing, but over the course of the 20th century in particular, when I grew up, they had erased much of the history of medicine in America to the point where they could tell you if it's not allopathic, then it's, you know, it's not yep. real, you know, as they and call right. it alternative. But then again, those within the allopathic field, like yourself, trying to move the needle in, a, I think, a positive direction, utilizing some of these substances that can be a, a beneficial and helpful as a kind of a bridge or a crutch to get people to a better state or place rather than hooking them on permanent drugging for the rest, you know, which is the profit center of modern medicine now is right. like a drug for everything all of the time as opposed to acute crisis intervention. Yep, 100%. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a long journey and I'm, you know, but I've definitely... Worked hard, worked very hard at um, getting some of the things, uh, you know, I learned in France about, you know, plant medicine and high mountain medicine and just, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's so there's so many other ways to do it. And I'm just glad I'm at a point in my career where actually I can actually do some of these things openly and feel good about it and help people in the way I'm doing. So it's, yeah, it, it's been yeah. a journey. That, and in France, you know, homeopathy is a mainstay there as well. Uh, they're uh, they're fighting hard to keep it though. Let me tell you. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah the the um the threat to monopoly medicine has always been around. That's why, 
You know, in 1844, you had the American Institute of Homeopathy founded here in America. In 1847, the American Medical Association, three years later. And they were founded with the express intent and purpose to wipe out their competition moving yep. forward. Which is so you understand this is about competition, anti-competitive acts, monopoly practice acts, etc. And they would su uh, suppress, uh, say, innovation within allopathic medicine, like the things you're talking about, because it results in very low profit to sell a generic drug that's decades old yeah. versus the latest, greatest thing that the FDA just approved for agitation in those suffering with dementia that quadruples the risk of death while doing little or nothing to benefit that agitation symptom. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah, I hope we got to just, yeah, we're going to have to continue fighting hard uh, to, to, to keep these traditions. Otherwise, yeah, they'll be taken away from us and, and written out of the history books. Yeah. So the website for uh, Dr. Jonathan Edwards is Jonathan. It's spelled J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N. Jonathan Edwards, M-D.com. And you can see all about him there. Some of the things we've talked about, including the new book. And I'm sure it has ac uh, access to other books that you've written as well on yep. the website. Yeah. Yep. And uh, do you do any consultations of any kind? I you do. A, you do. Okay. So people, you can contact. Uh, there's a little form you can fill out at his website if you want to reach out and ask questions. Or maybe, you know, this. some of this is intriguing for you. You know someone who's suffering similarly, or you might be. And this might be a way out. So, uh, Dr. Jonathan Edwards, grateful to connect with you and have you on the show today. Thank you. That's a, I thought it was a great time. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, thanks for going through that history as well. Very well communicated. And I'm I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert in it by all by any stretch from this, but I feel like I'm better, uh, let's say, educated to the, the ketamine story to go further and look at it. And your book is doing great, great work there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck with everything. All right, Dr. Jonathan Edwards on the Robert Scabell Show. First time, good, triumphant, I won't say return because it's the first time, but arrival on the scene and another option for you out there if you guys are stuck or know somebody that it is. And I'm grateful that we can communicate those things. All right, Super Don, how are we doing? Are we getting any uh, 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 animosity for this uh, interview? I'm thinking that'd be silly if somebody did, but <laughs> you know there are hardcore folks out there. Well, that, you know, Robert. Uh, yeah. Anything on Rumble? Are we okay? Something that we learned over the pandemic that mm. uh, one of the things you could do to help with COVID is you could boil the leaves of the ivermectin tree into a uh, an extract, right? That you could then, uh, you know, to, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. No, 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 no. I meant the hydroxychloroquine tree. Oh, oh, is that, that what you Oh, meant? wait a minute. No. Wait, wait a second. So, yeah, no, I haven't gotten any hate mail. Actually, it's oh. pretty quiet today, but uh, yeah. it'd be kind of uh, hypocritical, I think, uh, Mm. They're short-sighted to do that because, <clears throat> as you've said before, mm -hmm. you know, there's stuff out there. The, the, the stuff that you don't really hear about much uh, is, is the, the stuff that they're not making money on. But, there, right. you know, there are pharmaceuticals out there, and, and they have a place. They do. They should be the first thing you run and look for, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, exactly. uh, you know, in this case where you got something like ketamine's been around for a really long time uh, and it done correctly— uh, you know, I mean, really, honestly, are you going to say, you know what? No, that person should have committed suicide. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, where's the compassion? You know, <laughs> where's the cool where's the reasonable, uh, uh, you know, way of looking at this? And I think mm -hmm. that's it. Get people out of crisis. You know, then you can look at other things. Yeah. And, and suicide, dude, suicide's a huge problem. It's one of those things where I think it's not talked about enough. You do, mm -hmm. you do see it talked about and, and stuff. But I think it's it's almost it's a thing where people, they don't want to think about it. 
you know, who wants to think about that, right? You know, when you look at some of these statistics where you've got, uh, you know, people committing suicide every 11 seconds or something like that, you know, I mean, it's like some crazy, crazy statistic. And so if there's anything that we can use, it's going to take people out of that situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at least they have a chance to to figure it out. I'm all for it. I don't even care what it is. So I, I don't care what it is. It, does, it doesn't matter what it is. Think about what, what, what other uh, substances contribute to depression, suicide, or other things. Uh, and, and you look at you know, the glyphosate, the pesticide industry, heavy metals, all of these things. So we're not ignoring that in this context. But to get people out of that right on the edge, I'm going to take my life kind of thing. Uh, this is, again, a good discussion today that we've had. Uh, and by the way, interesting, uh, Layla Ali sent me through Instagram a video, and I don't think we have it, we're not prepared to do it, but, you know, we talk about the dangers of glyphosate and pesticides and all of that, which is why if you utilize pesticides, I would urge that you consider Orange Guard. You can go to orangeguard.com, a delimiting-based uh, pesticide, went through EPA and it's approved as a pesticide, but safe enough to use in your kitchen on organic agriculture like i've used it in my greenhouse occasionally no issue there not harmful to animals or babies delimiting which actually has been studied at the university of arizona found to be a quote-unquote cure for cancer of all things so rather than causing cancer you might be able to reverse it so orangeguard.com you can get it from whole foods those of you don't mind whole foods we're not big fans of whole foods but i would like you to support that as a pathway out to the the people uh, so contact your Whole Foods and say, hey, do you have Orange Guard? I want to get that. Also, your local Ace Hardware, which is usually independently owned and operated, uh, Ace Hardware, and you can get the Orange Guard there, or you can call or go directly to orangeguard.com. Natural and powerful pest control that's non-toxic. And it smells good. And it smells good. Yes, exactly. Yes. So that's a wonderful uh, thing. But When was the last time you sprayed uh, an insecticide when, yeah. oh, excuse me, hold on, and you went... <laughs> Yeah. And uh, you're like, oh, that smells really good. Did you do that to me on purpose the other day, yesterday? Like, let's open his microphone early so he makes funny no, noises. No, no. I just I started the show like normal. <laughs> and instead of you going, hey, everybody, how you doing? You went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we got to keep people on their toes and their nose as well. Um, yes. Oh, by the way, we had to call our uh, the, the, this pest control guy because I'm like, I'm not into removing wasp nests. There's one, a big one that was in my uh, uh, greenhouse. And they came by and they had a spray. And I'm like, I want to cover because it's right above the strawberries or my organic strawberries. I'm like, I don't want any nasty pesticides. So we you know, taped a little bag so it would catch it when he did it. But he didn't get bit st- stung, let's say stung at all. And he used some kind of spray that's like, like deep freeze, like Mr. Freeze from the Batman comic books. That's all he did. He just froze them instantly, and they dropped right out and got got that cleared out. So that that wasn't even a pesticide thing, which was nice. But as I was saying, Leilali sent me this video of a tractor going through the fields instead of spraying glyphosate for weeds. It was utilizing some laser technology, shooting laser beams. Dude, I saw that, actually. You know what? If you go to our Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Ask we, yeah. RSB, at Ask RSB. We do have an Instagram, Instagram, by the way. Yes. You can follow uh, us there at Ascar. So let's see. I don't think I've ever done this on the show before. Have I? Yeah. So let's let's go to our Instagram, and if we go to our stories here, we can see it starts off. You got a clip here from um, from Cyrus yeah. the other day talking about cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then here's a clip of you saying something really good. I'm sure. Profound I mean, look, about. Look, yeah. Look at the Italian. 
heritage. No, it's Jewish, arm, Italian hand, heritage. Jewish. Movement. Yeah, Using look at my that. hands. Right Pointer. Here's yeah. the oh, uh, here's is. the video you're talking about. So let's see. Let's watch this reel. This is coming from Dave Asprey. Laser. Like. Yeah. AI yeah. laser weed killers don't need glyphosate. And that's what Layla sent me. And look it's like, that. wow, look at this. These late. I don't know how it works. Don't look at this if you're prone to epileptic seizures, by the way. Right. So it's basically through. Dude, look at that. It's like zapping weeds with a laser. And leaving the crops you don't want to mess with <laughs> completely fine. This is, like, this is like the ultimate farmer's video game or something, right? I want some sharks with laser beams. Dude, now look at that. Look at that. Look, look at that. Look, it's just like it's picking out the weeds and shooting them. That is so cool. And leaving the plants. I want one of those. This uh, is like USS Enterprise type uh, <laughs> stuff going on here. So thank you, Layla Ali, for sending that to my attention on on Instagram. I again, I wasn't aware of this technology. So that is too as cool. I'm the old guy going, hey, I don't know about this AI stuff, right? And, so, and look, there are legitimate concerns about AI. I think at the same time, that's a pretty good use of it. Look here's look technology. It's not like technology is going to stop. You know, yeah. it, listen. If if that were the case, we'd be you know, like a uh, 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 caveman still, okay? Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. That doesn't mean you should just throw all caution to the wind and not care and not look at things and criticize things and try and, and have some sort of controls on things. Um, and I hate to use the word, but regulation, you know, yeah. I think that regulation's not all bad. Uh, it's just, it's it's used for the most part, incorrectly. Well, it, it destroys freedom and innovation as exactly. opposed to protecting exactly. the public. But yeah, having some yeah. sort of guidelines, some kind yeah. of governor of some sort on on things to, so it doesn't turn into a complete disaster, I think, makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like the difference between anarchy and, and, and you know, a, a limited form of government. Yeah. You know, the difference between libertarians and anarchists, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so as far as technology goes, AI, stuff like what we were just looking at, those, the, the zapper laser weed removal course, yeah. i personally would like like just just give me the laser gun the and i'll shoot gun. the weeds myself shoot that would be fun right like assault gun shooting but, at little but bugs. Yeah, those things can yeah. be used for good they mm -hmm. can yeah. so you know Absolutely. rather than being afraid of going oh my god running the other way if somebody says ai in in in, in your presence yeah look at what it is and and just i accept the fact it's not going anywhere and there are good uses for it so Use it for good. Yeah. Try, you know, use it for good. Why not? Because it's not like you, you can just go, I don't like that, and it's just going to disappear. It's here. Mm -hmm. That's how human nature is. Unfortunately, look at the atom bomb. You know, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Wait, you don't, might, you don't believe in the atom bomb. Might right? not be real. There's some I forgot about discussions that. about that we haven't had fully engaged and unfolded on the air. So we'll get to that sometime. Uh, Super D, think about, though, as we're transitioning from the glyphosates of the world. How many people are suffering from various forms of cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or other things like that? And I just, this is a time to remind you about nature's, some of the nature's most powerful antioxidants to, to kind of bind and excrete and protect you from those things like, you know, selenium, whole food selenium, 100% whole food. But how about folium? As we learn more and more about the botanical blend of folium, foliumpx.com, that Bobri brought to our attention, and many people are benefiting by it. I think there'll be a presentation at the Cancer Control Society on it. Of course, uh, uh, Bobri was there with us at Red Pill Expo supporting G. Edward Griffin. My mom's on the folium products, got her back to dancing again. This is a Chernobyl-level antioxidant, folks. This is not kids play and that say, oh, a little bit of this. This is like, man, you have hit the ceiling, and you're not getting better. You're like, what do I got to do? What am I missing? 
Think about Folium PX. Use the code RSB10 to get 10% off when you get there. They get the Folium Original, the Folium Immuno, and the Folium Relax. It's a three-pronged approach. Go through a couple of months of this stuff. And you have a starting point, ending point. Those of you want even an analysis of metals and things, and you, you could start there and reanalyze it. Bobri will work with you on that. This is an amazing formula, amazing product, and it is food. It is a botanical uh, blend. So it fits right within what we would argue is the optimal way to go before you would have to rely on you know allopathic interventions, if you will. FoliumPX.com. Check it out and uh, come see Bobri and me and others that will be at the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual Convention at the Glendale Hilton, Glendale, California, L.A. area. And uh, we'll be there Labor Day weekend. I think I'll be there first through the fifth, something like that. But I think it's the second through the fourth, technically. But it extends because there's uh, a doctor's a professional panel, I think, on the on the Tuesday. There's also uh, visits. Uh, you can go tours of the cancer uh, clinics just across the border in Mexico, which is a shame because uh, Americans are too wussified to fight for their right to choose the kind of health care that they want, the health, uh, the response to cancer. For instance, one state, just one state, you think it would have been California, but the people of California went so far left, their brains fell out, and they're all for big pharma interventions that cause cancer now. But one state would go, FDA, take a hike, 10th Amendment, nullification, you're out of here. We are going to be the health and medical freedom state, and we are going to bring and invite everybody in who can innovate in cancer and other chronic disease therapies. And this is the thing Bobby Kennedy would support. Again, coming from his Kennedy Democrat history, he's not like a modern Democrat in that sense. He recognizes regulatory capture and the danger of big pharma. So look at the folium products. Look at the things that we can do. Even they can't say they treat anything. You know that freedom of speech is limited. And that's, again, where Jonathan Emore is so good. He knows more than anybody about the oligarchy, the uh, regulatory state preemptively shutting you down from your freedom to communicate, even scientifically validated truths, facts, etc., so we got a lot of folks that are participating here in the Robert Scott Bell Show community that know this already. So we, we got to get the word out. Don't wait for somebody like Bobby Kennedy or, or uh, Jonathan Emore to be in office. And I hope that they do get in office. Start making waves locally as well and nullify anywhere you can, FDA, etc. This is how weed came to be <laughs> despite the prohibition on the state or, or sorry, the federal level. Over half the states now have various forms of, quote-unquote, legalization, decriminalization of the use of the cannabis plant made by God, not man. Although man has hybridized it to be very potent. So be careful. <laughs> Use it how yeah. you, know, you need it judiciously. It, right? This is not your grandma's weed. That's yeah. right. I acknowledge that as well. Uh, also, when you want to go into the, the sciences, there's a lot of options for you. But most of the scientific, in, uh, let's say, innovations, much less investigations, have been altered by uh, corruption, you know, the moneyed interests of big pharma owning and controlling not only our regulator Superdon, but many of the research institutions at university level, they actually limit your freedom to engage in genuine scientific inquiry. And this is where IPAC-EDU comes into play. James Lyons-Weiler, Dr. Jack, is doing extraordinary work in bringing integrity back to the sciences. You should see all the things they're offering. Now, these aren't degreed uh, programs, but they don't need to be. You can have a degree or not, and you can go through these programs and learn about what I call real science, science of in integrity. 
and they have so many things. The fall schedule is up and open. And I think, is that 25% off deal going through today or something? When does it last until? Uh, if you go to ipac-edu.org, uh, you can plug in the 25%. This week only sale ends August today. 18. That's today. 25% yeah. off. Check out what you want to try and get there and get it. And you will be richly rewarded. And I'm talking those of you who have interest in science and maybe already have degrees, you were taught a lot of things that were wrong. And, uh, well, IPAC-EDU.org is not afraid to address those wrongs and engage in discussion about the things that you might want to argue you think is right. It's okay. It's a great place for intellectual integrity. Dude, he covers pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's like, what, it's what really can't amazing. you learn here, right? Yeah. Yep. Biology, health mm-hmm. and wellness, yeah, totally analytics, cool. psychology, Mm-hmm. Interesting. And Dr. Yeah. Jack on his Substack uh, has a, a great piece on uh, Bobby Kennedy to the fact checkers, right? What is all, how, how far are these fact checkers not checking facts at all? In fact, they're promoting lies and deceptions. So uh, with that, let's take a top of the hour break, a little education pause, and we'll come back with more powerful healing on the Robert Scott Bell Show because the power to heal is yours. We got questions of the day coming up this hour, as well as other stories Super Don has uh, brought to bear on uh, our discussion today, heading into the weekend. And in theory, we will have maybe a peek at Michael Bolden, or Michael Bolden will peek at us from his home studio if he uh, is able. That's the thing. If you check out the show notes today at robertscatbell.com, you'll see one of the the cutest little things. It's like, where's Waldo? And Michael Bolden's peeking his head out behind me. (laughs) There it is. Maybe Michael Bolden today. We had Dr. Jonathan Edwards uh, talking about ketamine for depression, suicide response, and uh, a lot of good discussion happening here. A lot of great upcoming events as well. I mentioned Cancer Control Society is up next. And right after that, a couple of weeks later or so, is the in Las Vegas, the Biomed Expo. And if you, if, you know, Vegas is one of the least expensive destinations in terms of it has so many hotel rooms and comp- competition for hotel rooms and other things that it may be a more affordable event for you to come to it. And I think there's even a possibility, as I saw on the website, that you might even be able to, if you're just coming for the exhibit hall and you want to see, I'll be there and many others will be there, uh, that it might be low cost or no cost for that. But obviously, if you want to support the event, I hope that you do. And all the great speakers that'll be there, uh, please go to biomedexpo.com and sign up and, and join us there. And that's the 14th through the 17th of uh, September. There's also a corresponding UFO event for those into that. You don't have to go, but it's a simultaneous to that. Just for whatever, you know, if you're into other things, it's okay. We don't judge. <laughs> so as we go down the list of the upcoming events after that, coming up at the end of September in Houston, Texas, we have the 10th anniversary of Healing Strong Susie Griswold and others doing amazing work there a decade later uh, when we were in celebrating the first one in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area with Ty Bollinger and others. Uh, This is happening in Houston, so hope to see you there. We've got other events following that. The early uh, October event, professional training event for Nutritional Frontiers, and uh, that's uh, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you can't get out to Pittsburgh, why don't you join me in, uh, let's see, where is it going to be? Somewhere in the Salt Lake City area. 
And that's uh, Your Health Freedom, Utah, a gala and symposium. Pierre Corey will be there, Meryl Nast, Jancy Chun Lindsay, I'll be there. Uh, and Jared St. Clair and I will be speaking on some subjects there as well. 6th and 7th of September, October, I'm sorry. Then the granddaddy of them all, I call it the Health Freedom Expo. That's happening October 14th and 15th, trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. And you can check out that website or go direct and get tickets for that. For those of you who are healthcare providers and want to participate the two prior days, the 12th and 13th, this is the Trinity Live event. And then the 14th and 15th, there's a rollover right into a four-day event. You can get a discount for participating Trinity graduate students, nurses, doctors, chiropractors, massage therapists, naturopaths, all of them, homeopaths. You can all attend that. That'll be wonderful. And uh, then we have the Heal Your Family Naturally event. Thanks to Drs. Terry and Stu Warner. Looks like Bobby Kennedy is going to headline that along with Kevin Sorbo, uh, Judy Mikovits, David Brownstein, and more. Jack Wolfson, uh, the paleocardiologist, and I will be there. And uh, Kimberly Overton, Nurse Freedom Network, and more. Hope to see you there at that event, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona. That's when the weather is really fine in Arizona. And then the next stuff coming up is uh, the calendar year 2024 Autism Health Summit, thanks to Tracy Slepsevic, the warrior mom. So just, again, a, a side uh, little uh, trip through the upcoming events. Hopefully you can attend one or any or all. I think there's one more thing here. Did we add one more thing? Let me see here. I mentioned another event that I've been, been invited to. I, 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 I just grabbed this while you were uh, talking with doctor, the doctor in the first hour. Oh, yeah, look at this. The fourth annual Vaccine Safety Awareness Marathon being put on by We the Patriots USA. Uh, Taryn Gregson is also going to be doing that. Brian Festa. They have Peter McCullough, uh, Paul Thomas, me, RSB. And Shannon Croner, who we just had on. Shannon Croner and her her new book on the yep. unvac- I'm Unvaccinated and That's Okay. Uh, so these are going to be live and online for 24 hours straight. 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Saturday, September 9th to 10 a.m. Sunday, uh, September 10th, Eastern Time. So that's coming up. Good good eye on that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention as far as an upcoming. And that everybody can attend because it's online. Right. Um, here's the book by Shannon Croner. Um, unvaccinated, and that's okay. We had her on this week. And great stuff there. Uh, I'm trying to think, what else am I forgetting to tell y'all? There's so much going on, dude. It's amazing. Oh, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. I talk with Kevin Tuttle. He's in Israel now, and his uh, his office is apparently a bomb shelter. <laughs> He's like very protected there. Um, yes, but I, uh, I, I told him this morning that I thought his office was the bomb. Yeah, that's very impressive. That was very cute, right? And I and I was practicing what little Hebrew I remember, and I and I was so impressed with myself. I said, uh, "Shalom, Kevin, Manishma, Boker Tov." Uh, Bokertov, good morning. I called him. It was late night last night. It was morning in Israel. He was up already and we chatted a little bit, but the, he, he couldn't hear me. So I had to do it after the fact. Um, so anyway, the, uh, Jeannie, uh, Goikberg, uh, and she's also one of the, uh, board members at, uh, Trinity school of natural health, trinityschool.org. And they're, uh, wow, they've got every month, great stuff starting up too from, traditional naturopathy to health coaching and everything in between and just an amazing school. Julie Whitman Klein and the, the team there are doing great work to bring body, mind, spirit, health support. Let's call it that. We're not treating disease. You know what I'm saying? Uh, back to the mix for everybody and everybody's welcome from doctors to lay people and anybody in between trinityschool.org. But Jeannie says, Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Good people. The first day of the last month of the year, 
you know what the Jewish calendar year is, Super Don? What year it is? What it's not, year it is? Don't give me a star date. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I know where you were going. It's. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the first day of the last month of 5783. You thought it was 2023? A.D., of course, but, yeah, um, but we're talking <clears throat> the year 57. The Mayans would probably disagree with you, and They'd so would the Chinese people. Back, maybe even further. All right. Yeah. So according to uh, what Jeannie's writing, the, <clears throat> the day coincides with Rosh Kodesh Elul, the new moon for the month of Elul, uh, exactly one month before Rosh Hashanah. So there you go. And for those of the Jewish faith, you'll do that fasting once a year, Yom Kippur, like I remember as a child. Uh, now I do it once a month. Uh, the Day of Atonement can be once a week, actually, every Friday. Uh, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying if this is part of your discipline, spiritual discipline, it's a good discipline to have. So Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Or I say it Southern style. Shabbat Shalom, y'all. So uh, last hour we missed the t this article. Briefly, I want to mention it because I want to shout out Lorelai, one of our super fan supporters and patron supporters, which, by the way, our next patron AMA via Zoom is going to be happening the 26th of August, a Saturday at, uh, let's see, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So if everybody it's a week from tomorrow already it's coming up fast, yeah. please uh, consider joining us uh, for a wonderful uh, community interactivity via Zoom so we can see one another. Uh, but there's an article or study here from study finds microgreens are mature veggies. Surprising study reveals which is better for your health. And I say Lorelai because our friend Lorelai is not only all in on this. She's sent she's given away starter kits for microgreens and things. Yeah. At, yeah. You know, when we do giveaways on our Zoom AMA, it's like so awesome. And the cool thing is, I haven't done it yet. I think mm -hmm. I might, uh, yeah. is that you you can grow this anywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you know, if you, there there are people that are like, I just don't have room for a garden, you know, because I live in a studio yeah. apartment or something like that. You know, it's like, well, if you, do you have a window? <laughs> <laughs> if you got a window, mm -hmm. then you can grow microgreens. Yeah. And can, apparently in the study, I mean, if somebody asked you, Robert, yeah. Now you've read the article, so it's kind of cheating. But yes. before you read the article, uh -huh. if it was micro microgreens versus mature veggies, what would yeah. you have said? Well, we've covered the subject, so it would be kind of cheating even if I didn't read the article. We talk about the bioavailable nutrients, the, the power pack per amount of. It's just so potent. And, um, you know, like here, here they have, uh, even in the article, they talk about immature uh, kale plants, approximately five times more. Uh, glucosinolates than mature ones. Uh, so again, the idea. And you know what? I'll bet you with the the the, the kale is a microgreen. Mm -hmm. Probably tastes a lot better too. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I mean honestly, doesn't right. the kale get more bitter the more it grows? Yeah, that's true. You yeah. definitely have to spice it up. And right? that's really do the it. downside to kale. Yeah. Is is that it, it can be bitter, so you got to cook it a certain way, or mm -hmm. put certain stuff in, or something like that. If you ate it as a microgreen, then not only are you yeah. getting better nutrition. Mm -hmm. but you're also not having to deal with the flavor. Right. Now, we have uh, mature apricots that I freeze-dried from my garden, and we're trying to find addresses for those that won, that participated in the contest of calling in and leaving us messages on why they listen to our Watch the Robert Scott Bell Show. So be patient, but also I'll be patient. You just got to get Super Don where I'm sending the stuff. I've already yes. sent it to, uh, let's say, who won? So Ula? And and uh, Leslie, uh, Leslie has already responded. They, well, that's from the AMA. Wanted. Yeah, that's yeah, from and, the AMA. Who else wanted? Did Lorelai or Laura? Somebody uh, else wanted as well from the AMA. And I think 
I think my wife sent all of that. It was album. Laura, Laura Y. Yeah. So yeah. I haven't heard from she Laura. She lives in my old, my old hometown. So I didn't know, Laura Ula, did you get them? And and if so, do you like them? Because they're just a sweet treat. Uh, they're amazing. So and I want to send no, more out, though. On the contest, yeah. we had uh, Chris from, from Chris and Lourdes. Mm-hmm. That one. Oh right! We Did had, we get a place to send it? Or I'm I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. I mean, I, if I've if got it written be, down, I yes. could bring it because I think they're going to be at the Cancer Control Society event in Glendale. Okay. Well, that would that would eliminate one then if they want, but that's it. Then we had another winner, which was Thomas. Okay. And then the grand prize winner mm-hmm. was Erica, who was going to get the uh, the apricots plus also get a bonus thing that you were going to throw in. Yes. Yes. So that was okay. cool. Then we also had three, uh, I guess what, uh, runner-up winners. Yeah, yeah. Well, who who was that? Uh, I don't have the names, but it was uh, color eleven, color thirteen, and color fourteen. That's <laughs> Dude, what I've got. You don't have their names. I don't. I didn't. I do remember one, Aubrey, who's a, a young nutritionist. Okay. She's a, a bright light, and uh, she she put in a. a good I think that's I Aubrey spelled with two e's. Yes, correct, correct. A u b r e e, right? Yeah. Uh, so we got to find out where to send her stuff. So anyway, if you're still part of the Robert Scott Bell show, you didn't just call in to win stuff and you actually do listen or watch. We still need where to send the freeze dried yeah. apricots. So what I'm going to do, there were, there were a couple of people that when they, they, uh, they called, they were like, well, I suppose you need to know how to get a hold of me. So here's my number. Yeah. And here's my address. So the, the I don't know if that's them. Okay. Uh, otherwise what I'm going to have to do is get all big brother on these people. Big brother. Uh, because when they called, it, it puts down like, you know, the number that they called from and I'm going to have to cold call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna be like, hey, they're gonna be like, why are you calling me? Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I'll try and get get that done over the weekend. Okay, excellent. We'll get them out to everybody. Uh, and I've got your care package. We didn't send out. I don't believe yet because you don't have them. But uh, we've got some coming to you too, Super D. All right. Uh, Leslie said her kids already ate them all. <laughs> Not surprised. Go, go oh, Lori reminds us that Autism One is doing a virtual Labor Day weekend event. And Lori Harvey, our friend, is speaking at that. So shout out to nice. autismone.org if you'd like to participate in that while we'll be at the Cancer Control Society's 48th annual uh, convention as well. Uh, so anyway, on the microgreens, check it out. That's in the show notes linked up at robertscottbell.com on August 18th. I'm guessing they're really there. easy to grow, too. Have you grown them before? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're I not mean, they just, to grow. I don't know. They, all they need is light and water, right? Yeah. I mean, like a plant would. Mm-hmm. And they grow pretty pretty quick, too, don't right. they? Oh, totally. And you just you just throw those like in a salad or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you want to so, eat them raw. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to cook them. You want to eat them right. raw. I mean, you could throw right. them on your salad. You could throw them on a burrito that's cooked or a taco, or a sandwich or, or something. Yeah. Or, sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, of course, knowing you, you probably just go by and just pick one and eat it, right? Well, I you know, like I'm out in the garden picking the broccoli. I'm not waiting <laughs> to bring it in. I'm just eating the stuff. We got so many blackberries <laughs> and things. So, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to your wife's uh, famous. Cucumbers converted into pickles. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I have one set aside from you from the the first the first batch. I feel which, really loved and cared for. Uh, well, but you don't have them yet, so okay. So I got to be on my best behavior. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I've got one from the original batch that I'm going to be sending you because mm-hmm. they have they're supposed to technically wait for two weeks. Yeah. To get the full effect. The um, full effect. But, yeah, we're almost out of the first batch already. I am not going to microdose been... those pickles. I am going to eat them. Yeah. And, uh, so we've got a second down. batch that Thank were you. canned on the 13th. Mm-hmm. 
that need to wait their two weeks. And we've got a third batch that we're ready to, to create, to make now. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe before the season's over, I might have another batch of cucumbers uh, after that. Dude, so. that's awesome. You, you've been yeah. abundant in that realm. We haven't done as well. The cucumbers and tomatoes we've gotten, my wife says they're delicious, but there hasn't been a lot. And I don't know why, but other things we've done oh, really dude, well with. It's just, I should take a picture yeah. of my tomato plants because yeah. I go out there every day mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll get a couple here, you know, here all I got. I think this morning I got three uh, <laughs> little like cherry tomatoes or like that. But mm-hmm. the thing is just loaded, and they're all green right now. And mm-hmm. it's just like there's going to come a time here very soon yeah. where everything's just going to go, ta-da! Yeah. And, you know, oh, it's going to be mom, like an avalanche mom, of tomatoes. Mom hasn't got hers. That's true, Mom. We haven't sent it out. Don't worry. We've got a bag for you as well and uh, some other great items that uh, we'll send to you. So thank you. Um, Chris Steiner says that red kale isn't that bitter, Super Don. Would you do red kale? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I've had red kale, but I know like the regular old kale that you buy in the store, Mm -hmm. it's kind of not not awesome as far as the flavor goes. So like I said, microgreens, why not? Bring it on. It's easy to grow and you can just munch them. Yep. Hey, Diana is talking about Kratom. I mentioned Kratom last hour when we were talking about ketamine and uh, she says it's helped her with her arthritis pain, Diana says, and um, that's awesome. Also, Diana says she needs to bring Orange Guard with her the next time she stays in a hotel because she had bed bugs. Ooh. I don't know. Be careful which hotels you're in, right? That could be not so nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, let's see. Oh, by the way, Super Don, you know when I fast, I, obviously I lose some weight, but this super creatine stuff from Nutritional Frontiers, mm-hmm. that baseline drop, I was still up over 147. You know, when I would drop on a fast, it would like, you know, go down to the low 140s. I told you where I was in the lowest levels, but I have definitely put on a baseline of muscle weight that I haven't had, as I said, since college when I was, you know, a high-level collegiate athlete despite all my chronic ailments and illnesses. Uh, And and as I said, I'm not doing heavy weight training like you encouraged me to do. There are some dumbbells and kettleballs that I can work with at the uh, the gym. And I'm trying to do a little bit of that, thinking about you when you're talking and going, okay, I'll try a little and see what happens. Clearly this stuff is working. And again, it's a nice comprehensive formula. It's not an isolated creatine only. This is why I've been willing to experiment with it. Try it, the super creatine advanced anabolic activator from Nutritional Frontiers, nutritionalfrontiers.com. Use the code RSB15, get 15% off even the on-sale items. And they have NRDMG, the lozenges I'm encouraging everybody to get and use. Because when you travel out and about, you don't you never know when you're exposed to glyphosate and the food that you think is clean or not. Uh, counteract that glyphosate with the inner DMG. The lozenges, they also have the liquid form. So uh, uh, this is the kind of cool stuff we get to do here and tell you about, which I'm thrilled, thrilled to tell you. What do we got here? I'm getting some All right. from well, We've got a bunch of people on Rumble today. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Rumble's guys. Rumble's happening. Hello, Rumble. Well, I'm looking at Allison, our friend from San Diego, who's a super fan supporter of, of us. And she, funny enough, as, as I'm hearing from Allison today, guess what T-shirt I'm wearing? This is the Allison the one that Design she T-shirt. Created, yeah. The Power to Heal is Yours, which I was thinking, you know, I'm going back into the 70s right now because we're going to see, I'm taking the kids to see Foreigner and Loverboy. And uh, I'm like, you know, what do I want to wear today? This is kind of the spirit of, the, of that time and era. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Really cool stuff. So thank you, Allison, for that. She's sending me pictures of her, the things she's growing. I sent her some, uh, or my wife did actually send her some uh, apricots. Wait a minute. Was, wait a minute. You like, said you're going to the 70s because you're going to see Foreigner and Loverboy? 
Well, Foreigner was 70s than 80s, right? Loverboy, I think, was more 80s. What? What? They go back. Foreigner was in the 70s? I think 79. That's my recollection. Oh, geez. Barely. So, well, yeah. I, it barely, but it counts. Foreigner. I know, but they didn't get they didn't get big until the 80s. That's okay. You have bands that were like late 70s. Nobody was listening the to 80s. them in the 70s. <sighs> All right. Was it? Yeah. Really? All right. So they probably did. You know, the thing is, a lot of bands started in the 70s mm-hmm. trying to make it, you know, trying to become something. Yeah. Um, and then it was, they didn't really make it big until they got into the 80s. Yeah. Did well, you know that Huey Lewis and the News was one of those groups? Right. Look, if you Florida, look at the picture of originally of Huey Lewis and the News, they had they had their original group mm-hmm. with Huey Lewis. I think it was called Clover, if I remember correctly. Okay. And dude, they were so seventies looking. It was like bizarre, the long hair and a vest with no shirt, you know, and all this stuff and everything. Uh, and then then suddenly, you know, they come into the eighties and they're like bebop and top forty stuff, and they like made it huge big. But they started off in the seventies as well. So yeah, so look, yeah, Foreigner's okay. first album according to Katie Ann. Yep, seventy eight. I said it. Yeah, no, right. you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Seventy seven. Here they released their first. Or yeah, it's self-titled album in '77. Yeah, the big one wasn't it Foreigner Four? That was the big one for them. Um, That's my memory of it. Third anyway. album was '79. Yeah. yeah, Foreigner was the fall of 1978. Katie went to see Foreigner. Yeah, okay, I stand corrected. It's Head okay. Games Tour or whatever. Anyway, it happens. So, very cool. So we're gonna. I got a message from Michael Bolden here. Let's see here. Okay. What does he say? Uh, still away from the office. We'll jump on if I'm back in time for bonus rounds. Okay. So, all right. So we might have him peeking out at the end of the show. We don't want to miss him if we can. Yep. All right. Let's, let's talk, let's talk man. some news here. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Which news, news you want to talk about? Well, what news do you want to talk about? There's some it's things. Friday. I'm like, it surprised me. I don't know. We got stuff in the notes, of course. Yes. That's what I would refer to. Well, the Brownstone Institute article by David Bell, my last namesake, I'm not related, but we've covered some, some great articles by David Bell at uh, Brownstone. He says, the WHO, the UN, and the reality of human greed. Now, it's interesting when you have people arguing that we need you know, centralized bureaucracies to protect us from human greed, but what are those centralized bureaucracies made up of? Humans that are also greedy. And they're more interested in a collectivist ideology that will benefit them over you. What about greed? Not Gordon Gecko level, perhaps, but greed is good. Remember that? But what about your self-interests that are d- d- violated when you kind of centralize and collectivize them? I mean, your self-interests are uniquely your own. And is that a bad thing that you want to improve your lot in life to have better whatever it is? Oh, no, we can't have that. We need uh, Marxism, collectivism, communism. So that nobody does better than anybody else. And of course, when you embrace collectivism, what you end up with is everybody's equally poor and enslaved, except for those that are of the ruling elite class, the club that George Carlin says, you ain't in, I ain't in. So uh, this article is very interesting about the, you know, the governing body of the World Health Assembly of the WHO trying to centralize control over health emergencies uh, by modifying the international health regulations. And they would give force under those treaties that they say, well, we're not really modifying the treaty, so we don't have to go to the U.S. United States Senate to ratify it because it's already there. We're just tweaking it a little bit. And Biden's all about it. Most Democrats, I'm going to say most, I don't know, the leftist collectivist Democrats that are all in on big pharma and uh, really love centralized bureaucracies are all in on, yeah, sure, turn all of our uh, sovereignty, what's left of it, over to the WHO. 
any emergency they declare, they'll come in. And you know what that next emergency is? It's the climate emergency. This is what we've been now bred into believe that, and they're they're doing it every day. The news cycle is there. The extreme heat, the this, the fires. It's all global warming. Heck, if you if you have a, a little, you're a little bit infertile. It's because your testicles are too warm because the planet has got too warm. I'm not kidding. They're making those statements. Nothing about toxicological burdens in the environment that are the real issue of environment and 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 wrongheaded environmentalists that say it's CO two. Sequester the uh, carbon or else. In fact, if we have more CO2, we have more plant life, more food, therefore, but they don't want more people. They're global warming alarmists for population reduction. They want half a million people, is it, or, or half a billion? What's the number? What were the Georgia Guidestones saying? So capturing these centralized bureaucracies is much easier than capturing every individual, much less every state and organization within states. So centralization has everything to do with elimination of your freedom based on phony emergencies. Was there a real emergency uh, under COVID? Well, it was a man-made scenario, artificially induced, predicted to the letter by people that knew what was going to happen. You say that, well, that's just a theory, really. Go back and look at the event 201 and other things that precipitated. Look at Fauci's prediction. Oh, it's going to happen. And Trump's, uh, you know, we're going to see that when Trump's president. This is the kind of nonsense we're dealing with. They want you to believe, oh, it's a random act of, uh, oh, my gosh, the environment. Uh, it's man's pollution. But it's not pollution. It's CO2, they say. If it were an argument about pollution, everybody, conservative, liberal, and everybody in between doesn't want more pollution. You want to breathe it? You want, to, you want to swim in that filth of that muck? No. But those environmentalists that claim they're environmentalists say nothing when train tracks, trains derail and dump dioxins. Is that all oh, because it's not caused by global warming? So we can't mention that. The Davos crew, they're all about control, centralized economic command control and elimination of freedom and innovation. They would, they would like to return us to states of feudalism if they could get away with it. And, and the, you know, the question is, are you going to rely just simply, if we can get Bobby Kennedy in the presidency, everything will be right with the world. I've said this many times, even if Ron Paul were president, it wouldn't correct everything. Some have argued that we get the government we deserve. What does that mean? It means that many Americans over generations now have abandoned a belief that freedom is a superior condition in, in, in life itself, that we, in freedom, we can innovate, we can, we can figure our way out of tough times and troubles, in other words, and, uh, and we, we've been programmed into a belief that it's the, freedom is the danger. And of course, I would rather engage in dangerous freedom than safe slavery, if you know what I mean. But they program the kids in these government indoctrination centers to worship government or non-governmental organizations beyond our government to say, hey, you know, we need to, we can't handle it. Let's turn it over to those bureaucrats, those lizard people at the UN, the WHO, the WEF, et cetera. These are godless people, atheistic people. They worship the brain or the mind, and they think you can be plugged into a computer chip and you could live forever as a transhumanist, uh, you know, asexual or what amphibian sexual. I don't know, make the stuff up. And that's why they want to eliminate the concepts of male and female. But the question is, you know, what other, really, what other 
sexual. I mean, this isn't about orientation right now. It's like male and female. We live in the world's duality. But in this case, again, looking at centralizing these bureaucracies to d- direct our future based on a client, a phony climate emergency. Uh, I think it's worth just reading the last paragraph here of this article by David Bell, this opinion piece at Brownstone by regaining maturity. And I've often talked about spiritual immaturity claims that a better state would be if we just let the, the, the smartest people control us, run it, figure it all out. Cause we're just not smart enough. That's what they want the elites to believe that we can't handle our life. He says, by regaining maturity regarding the reality of human nature, that you have self-interest, for instance, we can start dismantling the prison built around us. Treat the sponsored media as if they are sponsored. Conflicts of interest, anyone, right? Try to tell the truth as often and as rigorously as we can. When light is shed on a trap, others are less likely to fall into it. When enough decide that what is intrinsically ours must remain ours, Those who want to take it will be unable to do so. Then we can address health, climate, and whatever else in a way that benefits humanity rather than just benefiting a bunch of wealthy, self-entitled lizard miscreants. I added the lizard in there for you. Anyway, thank you, David Bell, for another great article at Brownstone Institute, which leads us to another really cool intellectual piece. And I think, Super Don, you like this one by Dr. Ronald Hoffman. I think we've had him on the show before. And this article is at drhoffman.com, and it's titled 16 Reasons Why Most Studies Are Wrong. Going back to Dr. Marsha Angel, who Angel, who is uh, editor-in-chief at New England Journal of Medicine, I believe that's where she was. She's like, we don't know what's real and not in peer-reviewed science anymore. And that's why, again, ipac-edu.org, if you want to learn real science, and they teach this kind of stuff so you can see through the lies and deceptions of what they call Science, which is more like a cult or religion today. You've heard the the statement, correlation is not causation. That's often used to beat back anybody who dares to say, hey, my kid was healthy. We went to the well baby pediatrician visit, and now they are sick, or they are on the spectrum, or they died. Much less COVID injections and the relationship to died suddenly within what? two hours, two days, two months, two weeks, whatever it is. It's an extraordinarily horrific thing when they use that against anybody who would observe a potential link that isn't the definitive answer to whether it is or it isn't linked, but it's awfully suspicious. And when you start running the numbers and stats associated with what we're learning, if just you go anecdotally and ask parents, you know, how, how long after a well baby visit with X number of shots did Y and Z occur? right? Crib death or sudden infant death syndrome or uh, autism, anything like that. They will try to deny that correlation is to be ignored. It's the the start. Observation is the very start of science and inquiry. In the scientific realms, we've seen the destruction of what we used to call placebo-controlled studies, where the placebos are also active, Whether they be in the vaccine realm, they'll contain adjuvants or preservatives or other things, or they'll test uh, new vaccines against existing vaccines and call it a placebo-controlled study. Absolutely not a placebo-controlled study. And we see evidence of that within the COVID injection, uh, so-called scientific inquiries or trials. Third on this list of 16 reasons why most studies are wrong is follow the money trail. 
How many times do we have to say conflicts of interest matter? Why do they say reveal any conflicts that you have in this in this peer-reviewed article so we know there might be an inherent bias to find a, a particular outcome that would benefit you on the back end? I'm not saying that it means 100% of the time if there is a conflict, you will engage in that conflict and manifest it so for your benefit, but you can't ignore it either. Follow the money. In the documentary film, Utah Safe and Effective, for those of you new to the Robert Scott Bell Show, please go to utahsafeandeffective.org. Watch that film. It's free. It's also broken up into pieces, but we talk about the various conflicts of interest. Follow the money trail. How about bias? confirmation bias, et cetera. You go in with a bias of belief. You are encouraging, again, a corruption of the end result. And they try to break bias by having it blinded or double-blinded or even triple-blinded these studies, which could help. Now, that's not to say there isn't some impact if there's a human-to-human interactivity in even double-blind or triple-blinded studies. Let's say you're you're in a study taking something. You don't know whether it's the drug or the placebo and you happen to find the person you're interacting with in the study somewhat attractive. And you're like, oh, I want to be very positive in my interaction and tell them how great this is, right? So there's going to be bias even in the most refined studies in terms of eliminating bias. Potential for that because it's a human-to-human interaction, unless you can eliminate that too. So there's no perfect level of study. I'm not saying that, but the reality is there are levels and layers of corruption in these studies that include bias and conflicts of interest. Or how about looking at the wrong problem? You know, if you can show that uh, you can extend life on a cancer drug for two months, but yet the two months that they spend, much less the six months to years before on that drug, was absolutely a ho- atrocious, atrocious quality of life, Given the option, fully informed consent, here we've got this drug, but here are the known side effects that are direct effects that we don't like. This is how you'll live your life. You might live an extra two months versus if we don't do it, you'll live your life out. You know, and they never know when you're actually going to die. That's kind of a, a primitive death stick they point at you anyway. But so those are other problems in drug research. How about rodent research? Is it always transferable to humans? We cured Alzheimer's in the rats. We don't seem to be able to do that in humans, but it's promising. Let's go ahead and approve that drug too. How about sample sizes? There are many times where they'll have such a small sample size and extrapolate that out to the whole world. Now, very often they will speak against sample sizes when it's something that's holistic, but they will ignore that small sample sizes might not be applicable when it's a drug focus. And they'll ignore that. Well, hey, that would look at that. It's promising. And you'll see all the press releases in the mainstream media touting this new drug about to come out. And you find out, well, it was tested on five people. Maybe, maybe, but dude, to go out, they would never do that with a homeopathic remedy or a, an herbal supplement. There's another aspect that he, uh, Ronald Hoffman goes into the subset effect. Should you take an aspirin? Should your child receive a new vaccine? Is coffee right for you? Studies show it could be harmless for some, but not for others. Bioindividuality, subsets, do you consider that it's not good across the board? We can go to study quality issues. This is the one, number 10 is rather interesting, the number needed to treat. We've talked about this over the years here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. How many doses or people have to be dosed on a drug or injected with a vaccine or something else to say that we can statistically analyze and go, yeah, we saved one life. 
You know, and you could be thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands to save one life. In the meantime, you ignore all the thousands that got the thing that not only were not helped, but they were harmed. And that's ignored. Number needed to treat. Something called the Lazarus effect. They use it to demonstrate supplements are not effective. <laughs> yeah. And you give it to somebody so late in the game that nobody that promotes the supplement would ever say it's likely going to help you. It's like, let's wait until the dead end. We'll give it and they die and we'll say, see, it didn't work. Didn't raise you from the dead. That's used against often natural remedies that are analyzed at certain other points and show promise. Oh, we'll do it at the end of end stage. We'll give you 10 years of chemo. You're on death's door or two years or one month. And then we'll give you the natural supplement and say, it didn't work. Meantime, the chemo is what killed you. There's meta-analysis misdirection. Uh, there's questions of relevance. Again, again, it's getting a lot of interesting things. P-hacking. Uh, this is also known as data dredging. The practice of torturing data to squeeze out a favorable P-value. This is often where they modify the study design to kind of squeeze something or eliminate certain aspects of um, you know, how do we get rid of the effect that the MMR was showing that the, uh, in their analysis, uh, a, a threefold increase of the risk of autism spectrum disorders in black boys, particularly African-American boys. And they're like, well, we got to eliminate that. And they worked and massaged it and reworked the thing. It's like, this is good science. That was out of the CDC. They wanted to make sure nobody could see any correlation that could potentially lead people to say, hey, there might be actually a relationship there. Recall bias, and then 16, number 16, outright falsification. And certainly plenty of outright falsification occurring in the peer-reviewed medical literature because there's so much money involved. Coming back to other conflicts of interest we discussed here, and Dr. Ronald Hoffman puts a great piece together. So hopefully you guys will share that. Not that the skeptics would ever read it or acknowledge that this happens, but this is really what we're dealing with. Now we get to another a uh, concerning factor of a technology that's been kind of thrown out that, you know, little children can destroy the planet. Now you talk about little, uh, uh, Dr. Evils everywhere with CRISPR technology, gene editing technology. The defender is reporting via GM watch that, uh, this CRISPR gene editing, that there's new evidence of potentially irreversible safety effects. This is what we have been saying. This is what, uh, Many of the people that have become aware or are aware or have been trying to, to raise awareness on, like Jeffrey Smith from the Institute for Responsible Technology, is now not just genetically modifying one thing and putting it out like Roundup-ready crops or genetically engineering mosquitoes, but this CRISPR technology is allowing anybody to alter anything, anywhere, anytime. It, it's just astonishing. I asked the question, just because we can? Should we? Where is the consciousness, the wisdom, the connection to all of creation to say, you know what? This place was created by someone way smarter than any human being or all human beings put together. Whether you call that something God, creator, or otherwise. That you might consider that our lack of a, a truly global view of creation by altering genetic structure and integrity we could be creating unintended consequences, much like Michael Crichton has written about in his many books, whether it be Jurassic Park or others. Unintended consequences. 
Now, some would argue intended when it comes to the alteration and splicing in or dropping in of, of the genes of snake venom peptides into plasmid structures that are related to the COVID injection machinery that facilitates through synthetic mRNA, the alteration of DNA protein synthesis. So you produce these toxic spike proteins that may indeed have the venomous effects similar to what if you were bitten by a venomous snake. We talked about that. Just because you can, should you? Well, Offit or others would say, like uh, Fauci, well, we've got to get ahead of the curve because someone else might do this. So in this way, we can come up with a vaccine to prevent you from dying from the things that medical man is engaged in doing, PhD medical man. How horrific is that? How impressive is that to become a medical doctor and engage in practices that result in the third leading cause of death in the West? or wherever it's introduced. Researchers at Rice University found that CRISPR-induced double-strand breaks in the DNA caused numerous large unintended on-target genetic damages, including large and small deletions and insertions and chromosomal rearrangements of genetic material. Just because we can, should we? I think many of you in this audience would say, hell to the no, we shouldn't. And I'm a freedom guy, but when you unleash something that has potentially an effect that alters the integrity of your very genetic code via injection or ingestion or mosquito vector-borne ways of delivery of these things, we have achieved a place where I think we're getting close to a Sodom and Gomorrah biblical analogy where you have distanced yourself from the creator and the guidelines thrown down by our creator, that you're so far afield that they go, if you're the creator going, you know, I, I don't want to, but dude, these people are so far away from everything. I just gotta, I gotta start over. This is just too much. And, and I'm thinking, could we perhaps mature spiritually enough to look back at that history, biblical or otherwise, and apply it to today, much less than what's happening with DNA splicing through CRISPR technology to go, I think we're on the verge of destroying ourselves and it maybe is not a God thing. God's going, well, look, I gave you free will and you are choosing to destroy yourself. I guess the question is, do you choose to participate or do you choose a different path? And in addition to not participating in this insanity, this madness, are you willing to speak up and speak out and try to protect yourself and others from this harmful arrogance? And for those that aren't so arrogant, just ignorant of, you know, this is darn right dangerous. And I would say, some would say from a religious phraseology, blasphemous, or I would call it an abomination. I often call GMA, GMAs instead of GMOs, genetically modified abominations. CRISPR. Check out Institute for Responsible Technology, Jeffrey Smith. He's putting out great things on there. Now, real quick, Super Don, if we don't, I know we've got about 10 minutes. I want to get to the questions of the day. Um, did you read this one about screen time? Can screen time affect your bowel movements? It's a big topic here, bowel movements on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We talk about that. You want a good doctor? Find out how often they have a bowel movement. If they go less than you, don't hire them. What about the screen time affecting your bowel movements? Did you just find that just because it was a funny headline, or did you actually read it? Uh, I, I didn't really read it in detail. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought it was interesting because I have not ever heard anybody bring this up before. Mm -hmm. That the amount of screen time 
uh, can affect people's bowel movements. Yeah. And also, apparently, screen time is contributing to diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. Mm. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why? Why do you think it is? Well, you didn't because, read it. You didn't read it, did you? No, I did. No, I, oh, you I, did. I was, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to get to that point of what is screen time? Screen time is sedentary time. Sedentary. Yeah. It's a lack of movement. Now, do they call it a bowel movement, or do they call it a bowel stand still? <laughs> that's constant. <laughs> a bowel sedentary. You know, that's the point. The key is right there. It's like it's called a clue. It's a movement. And yet, with the more and more we do the screen time thing where we're not moving, and then you find out other things in your body no longer move. Now, I'm not saying that's the only reason somebody could have these problems, but they are certainly contributing to a whole host, as you pointed out, not just the issue of, of constipation, whatever, but uh, bowel health relies upon movement as well as hydration. Uh, mineralization, probiotics, you know, different things that we're not destroying the gut as well. So uh, I think it's an intriguing article in terms of the screen time is evidence of more sedentary lifestyles become normal among children. I don't recall being so sedentary as a child, but I suffered from extreme um, constipation. Dude, we didn't have stuff like we have today. No. When we were kids. Yeah. If you were sitting around like, you know, you, you, you just... You wanted to go outside and do something. You couldn't wait to get out of the house. Right. You know? And I was active, but for whatever reason, my and I say it now with whatever reason, I know now my bowels were not moving. It was painful to have a bowel movement. So painful, in fact, I resisted it. I fought it. You talk about, oh, I don't want it. It hurts. It's going to hurt. And that's what I remember from my childhood. But again, what was I put on? Baby formula. The doc said, put them on baby formula. And a projectile vomited that out. And so growing up on frozen food, fast food, processed food, you know, canary in the coal mine of Generation X. It wasn't so common like it is today, but for me, that's what had happened. Now, I look back and I say spiritually mission-oriented belief system that I have that I agreed with, you know, God or whoever said, you're going to go to the planet, you're going to have to suffer these things, and you're going to have to figure out how to overcome them so you can help others to overcome them, because I think that's what you want to do. I'm like, yeah, I wanted to help people. From the time I got here, I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to help people relieve their suffering, partly because I suffered. And then when I figured out that doctors didn't know how to do that, I was like, well, screw that. I'm not going to do that. As my uncle said, that would be miserable. And then found homeopathy, natural medicine, and ways to do what I do to bring the power to heal back where it belongs. And that isn't me giving you the power. It's helping to remind you that you have that power and it's inherent in you if you just kind of acknowledge it, go back to it. Now, how do you regain it? Final article before we do, do some questions of the day is the article here from The Art of Healthy Living. It says, from detox to diet, how clean eating supports addiction recovery and healthy living. From detox to diet, how clean eating supports addiction recovery and healthy eating because eating cleanly, food that's organic quality, if it's certified or not, lowers the burden on the very many metabolic pathways that result in what? When they're aberrant, and not working can result in addiction and addictive behaviors and general chronic decline, degenerative uh, conditions. So whether it be focused on addiction or otherwise, cleaning up what goes in facilitates the body's ability to remove that. Now you can do other things that we do here, including, uh, uh, well, selenium we've talked about, 
Um, Folium, I mentioned now as well. Uh, Coffee enemas, if you want to go that far. Or you can write down coffee enema on a piece of paper and put it in your shirt pocket like Super Don does. Maybe that'll help. He's still got it there, right? There it is. I see it. And, you know, any number of ways, whether you're doing that, there he's, he has it written. You can see it on screen. Uh, we also have talked about uh, the colloidal, um, uh, what, what's the uh, mineral that we have? And I'm not talking about silver or copper, although copper helps with phase one liver detox of so the sovereign zeolite. The zeolites. But yes. yeah, there are colloidal zeolites. We have access to that. Discount codes as well, like RSB gets you 20% off, things like that. So take advantage of that and clean up what goes in and then help the body to usher out that which it doesn't need. And you'll see benefits not only for addiction, but for anything and everything. Which leads us to your questions of the day, if you don't mind, Super Don. All right, they're right in the notes, the 18th of August, 2023. Some of them come through the website. Some of them come through email. Uh, I don't know. This one's from uh, Carmen. Carmen. Hi, Robert. Thank you for your knowledge that you have provided to me over the years. You actually started my health journey eight years ago when my son was born, and I saw one of your videos on YouTube before we were banned. (laughs) about vaccines. It really woke me up from my slumber. See, this is the reason why we're banned on YouTube. They don't want you waking up from the slumber. They want you on vaccines and drugs. That's the private center. And YouTube is as bad as any of them being completely conflicted with interests that are not your own. So Carmen says, my question is my son has been waking up in the morning with stomach pains and then sometimes followed by his heart racing. He's been tested for pretty much everything under the sun and nothing is coming up. He eats pretty much 100% organic and 99% of his meals are homemade. He does get fermented foods, probiotics, and mega food multivitamin. We did the silver aloe protocol for about a year, one year ago. Never had any antibiotics. He did have three shots when he was around three to six months of age and then we stopped. We are at a loss for what's bothering him. Thank you. Oh, yes. Going back to a little bit in time, I am a dude. Carmen, we weren't sure. I remember Carmen writing in, and we were like, we assumed it was a female. Because we, well, it, it, yeah, I don't know any guys named Carmen. So right. Car, this is the Car, This Carmen is is the first. It's it's an easy. It's a it's a honest mistake. What about guys that are named Carrie? You ever had that Carrie? Yeah, well, it depends it, on how it's how it's spelled, right? Right, sure, but you know, my first wife was Carrie, K A R I. Right, and this isn't a boy named Sue. K A R or C A R R E Y. Now that yeah. or C A R, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let me get to the answer for Carmen. <laughs> because you're doing so many good things, and it's hard for me just on a, a even with that a bit of information. My first and foremost thing is always to go back to the liver. And even if you're eating cleanly on this planet, we're exposed to things, any number of things, or even we're exposed now to people who are shedding and spreading due to the COVID injections that pose a challenge for our excretory organs, our systems. And so I would do, if you're not already doing so, Carmen, for your son, this is what I would do, a homeopathic detox drainage remedy. This is what I went through in the Clinical Homeopathy 101 Plus course. It's an hour-long lecture on demand that you can get from Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. And I talk about you know any one of these three main ones. They're not the only ones, but just to start, and you begin your, your journey through the Materia Medica, Bryonia Alba, Nux vomica, which, by the way, helps specifically with stomach pains if they are stomach pains, and chelidonium. And there are intestinally focused remedies as well that you can look into in that lecture on demand as well as some of these I mentioned in Unlock the Power to Heal. 
Now, in the morning, again, the heart racing thing is interesting. That gets to me uh, the nitric oxide issue, but usually kids don't have the problem there. You could certainly give a smaller dose of Cardio Miracle because it is a food. But I was thinking the, the Sovereign Copper. Why? Because arrhythmias, heart racing, tachycardias, these, the blood, oh, uh, blood health, of course, but the neurological connection to the, the, the heart, the cardiac rhythm, rhythms and arrhythmias. Copper, and very few children are getting dietary copper. They're not eat, you're not feeding them liver, right? And even the liver doesn't contain as much as it once did. And remember, three tablespoons of this sovereign copper, you can get this from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com, use the code RSB5, or uh, you can go direct. There are other codes to discount. But anyway, sovereign copper, three tablespoons, one tablespoon, two tablespoons, three tablespoons of sovereign copper basically meets the needs of a four-year-old. I don't know how old your, your son is, Carmen, but... I would say at least a tablespoon a day for the typical person as a maintenance, but you can do three and you're at half the old adult RDI, but you don't need as much because the form that it's in doesn't require breakdown, just absorbs and it's utilized. So you have the safest form, most active form of copper uh, outside of Cooper Metallicum as a homeopathic, which is often indicated for vascular issues as well. Selenium, copper, but sovereign copper. And then let me know what you find out after utilizing that. There might be some other things that we'll learn and you can write back to me, Carmen. I appreciate that. Now, Super D, we're going to go to the bonus round. I have one more question of the day to answer about gut health. Do I do that in the bonus round? What do you want me yeah, to do? Yeah, we're going to have to because we're, okay. we're, we're out of time. All right, yep. so those of you listening on UK Health Radio, sorry. I, well, hey, look, you, can, you can get the podcast over you can get on the podcast uh, SoundCloud. Any, yeah. Anywhere except... Spotify and, yeah. and YouTube, where we're banned. We're on Anything iTunes. Like we're on yeah. Amazon Music. Loads of places. On, so yeah, you can catch yeah. it there, or come on over to robertscottbell.com directly and hear live. In fact, sixty seconds after we end the show, we actually begin again with the bonus round. We're going to do that in just a moment. It's a blip for those of you who are listening in the podcast. It's like snap. There you are, bonus round, because the power to heal is yours. 